So last week, well, hey, let's, let's pray together as we transition. What's that? Uh, we could do it like this. Is it, will you guys stay awake if, if the lights, at least it will be helpful to stay awake if the lights are like this? Um, yeah, pray with me as we transition to some conversation and hearing some scripture about peace. And yeah, Holy Spirit, thanks that you're with us. Thank you that we have the opportunity to see our friends healed in our very midst, and we also have the opportunity to be a part of your healing of the world and people's experience of Christmas through providing dinners. And our heart is to be available to you always, to be those hands and feet and expressions of your love. And so this morning, would you speak to us about peace, about what it looks like to be people who walk in peace, who embody peace, and who, in the midst of what's often a chaotic and stressful season, really to be at peace and to be peacemakers. So we look to you to center us, settle us, and give us what we need this morning to experience fullness of you in this beautiful season of the year. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we talked about hope. And the gist of what I was trying to get across was that there was this 13, maybe 15-year-old girl named Mary who had an encounter with an angel that basically came and gave her a message that changed her world and lit her up with so much hope that the world as she knew it would never be the same. And we prayed for one another that just maybe God might have something to bring to you this season, a message of hope and something that God wants to birth through your life, in your life, that might not only bring hope to you, but bring hope to those around you. And so we prayed that the Holy Spirit would take those things that are stirring, burning, developing in your heart, and bring them forth for the sake of healing and hope for the world. This week, we're going to talk about peace. And I want us to start off in, in Isaiah chapter 9. This is one of the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And... This is going to be an interesting conversation, but read this with me. And actually, you know what? Can you guys read that with the lights on, or should we dim the lights a little bit? Let's dim the lights a little bit, actually. Yeah. This is Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to end around verse 7. And Isaiah promises, but there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. Can you imagine a life without gloom? Did anybody feel gloomy this last week in light of some news we saw or maybe some things that you're anticipating Christmas to look like? Imagine a week, imagine a life without gloom. And Isaiah says, there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Sebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, the time that's coming, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, this tiny little podunk town, north of Samaria, north of Jerusalem. And he says, there the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied this nation, you have increased its joy, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder, because somebody is coming. And we lost our connection. 
That is anticlimactic. So Taylor's going to take over from the back. Love how seamless that was. We're so polished. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and last but not least, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be, listen to this, there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. How many of you can kind of imagine what that might be like? A time of absolute peace, a time of no more gloom, no more anguish, a time of light and no more darkness. I can't really imagine it. I try, but I can't. You know what Christmas most often looks like for me? Now, let me see if this is the right. <laughs> so it's interesting, and, and I couldn't resist talking about this. So Jesus was called by Isaiah the Prince of Peace. And then you have Jesus saying things like this. Nope, which one? This is from Luke chapter 12. I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They'll be divided Father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, how many of you, that is a more accurate reflection of the Christmas season? Anybody? So, we talk about Christmas being the coming of this one that's called the Prince of Peace, but let me hear from you. How do we actually most often experience Christmas, the Christmas season? When you know that it's Thanksgiving time and Christmas is coming, what is our experience of it really like? How would you describe it? Let's, let's hear some people share. Pamela. Spiritual battles. Uh-huh. What else? Someone else. Complaining. That was so funny because you totally made that sound like someone else in it. (laughs) Boom! (laughs) Well done, Elizabeth. Are we preaching yet? (laughs) Yeah, Joseph. Yeah? (laughs) 
You guys want to hear Joseph's poem? I always love his poems. Yeah, read it. <laughs> nice and loud, Joseph. I want to make sure everybody can hear you. <laughs> this, this was totally n not staged. I was talking to a friend recently who said that their family spends $3,000 every December on gifts. And this is a strong believer in church leadership somewhere. And they spend $3,000 and he's like, I don't know how to get out of that hole. Now, is, is the issue the quantity of money or the stress and the health of kind of what that meant to them, right? And it just, it's... So, so interesting. There's nothing wrong with spending that much money on Christmas, but they knew that wasn't healthy for them as a family. But how do they get out of that, right? Beth, what are you going to say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're disappointing everybody. Yeah, yeah you're a Grinch or you're a... There's a phrase we have for that, but we can't say it in church. But you could say, you're darned if you do, darned if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and by no means are we trying to be Grinches in here. But I think, and so, and I love what's, how Christmas is kind of morphing in your experience, right? It's a beautiful thing. And what I wanted to say about this passage, actually, um, how many of you were expecting that to be the message <laughs> for Christmas morning? Advent, peace. I did not come to bring peace. Uh, what are we doing here? Um, but what's so interesting, I encourage you to read through Luke chapter 12 and look at the stories in which this statement is couched. In Luke's edition, it's actually right after or close after what we find in Matthew where it says, and I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will wear. Don't worry about these possessions, for your Heavenly Father knows what you need, and he'll take care of you when you need it. It comes after this man that decides to store up all of his possessions and put all of his trust, faith, I guess, everything, all of his chickens in one basket, you could say. And, and God says, what are you doing? That's not why I've given you that. It's, it's in light of our relationship to material things. And it's not that Jesus is saying these are bad things. He's saying keep them in their proper context. Because otherwise, it will steal your peace. And so Jesus is saying, look it. You can do things my way, or you can do things the world's way. And that's inevitably going to cause division. And another place we see that is in John 14. I know, buddy. I love your sweater. <laughs> Was that a good save? Do you think we're so? But listen to this in John 14. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Jesus tells his disciples, who he's kind of trying to get it through their head, look it, I'm leaving you. You don't get this, but I'm going and I'm going to have to die. And you're going to see me again for a little bit, but not in the same way. And he says, but don't worry, I'm leaving you the counselor. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you all that I've said to you. And then look at this. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be in fear. Breathe that in for a moment. My peace I give to you. So let me ask you, what are the ways in which, particularly in the Christmas season, but in general, what are the ways in which, through which the world attempts to find or give peace? What would you say? How does the world try to give us a sense of assurance, of contentment, of well-being? Laura. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, pressure to make it something, right? <laughs> I never feel that as a pastor on Christmas time. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's have group therapy. No. Um, yeah, the pull to meet people's expectations, we don't even know what those are, right? The expectations that flood around us around this holiday time. What else? What are the last years? And we've talked about this in snippets over the last little bit, but our understanding of peace in the Western world is often simply lack of conflict, isn't it? Kind of lack of chaos, just you know, lack of craziness. But the biblical concept of peace is so much richer. It's this concept of shalom. It's this idea that everything is set right. Everything is in its proper place. Nothing is missing. There's right relationship with God and ourselves. There's right relationship with one another. And it's kind of this issue of, yeah, there's a superficial kind of peace that, yes, enjoy that, right? But don't believe that that's the fullness of peace that Jesus came to bring. We look forward. See, now this is a great opportunity for me. I have my in-laws here for maybe a month and a half, so I need to be very careful. For, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, I really, really mean this, that it is so peaceful having them in our home. We love having you guys. It's been such a gift to have you guys the last few days. And we actually had an opportunity to send them to stay somewhere else, and we're like, nope, you can't, right? We, like, kicked Joshua out of his bedroom to have them with us. But this relationship in my experience, is the exception, not the rule. And so one of the things I'd love for us to talk about is what does it look like to manage and to navigate relationships around the holidays in a healthy way? And appropriately, we're going to land with that when we talk about joy next week. But you know what I'm discovering in terms of anxiety and stress? Is that often we equate stress with the amount of things going on in our lives. But really, stress is about relationships, not about tasks. Stress is about who we're afraid to disappoint or what's going on in our relationships more than about just having too many things to do. And I think that ties in with kind of what you're saying, the absence of that affirmation. It's like all of a sudden anxiety, boom, right? And so, what's that? In Mark chapter 4, and it's the story where the disciples are on the boat with Jesus and they're going across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is sleeping. He's so exhausted. He's so just beat from all the expectations people are putting on him, the reality of his calling that's hitting him, and just the, the ministry that's been 
draining him. He's literally sleeping through a storm. And the disciples are panicking. And they wake him up, and he does something profound. And it's beautiful. And you know the story, but I want us to look at the story in light of this season we're moving into. Because something profound hit me about it a couple days ago. And I want to kind of bring us into that. And so this is what I would like this to look like. Is as I read this story, I'd like you to think about some of these things that pull on you during the Christmas season. The expectations, the financial pressures of either not giving gifts or having to give too many gifts or having to make everything perfect for your family or all these different things we've shared. What are those things that tend to kind of beat against the boat of your life during the Christmas season to pull away from what it really could be? And I believe that in this very morning, because the question we didn't ask is, now what does the peace of Jesus look like? We said, what does the peace look like that the world tries to give? And we all know what that's like because we experience that, don't we? So the question is, what kind of peace, what sense of peace does Jesus want to bring to us so that we can actually operate out of that, not just for the next few weeks, but make that the way of operating over the course of our life? And I believe that will come with Jesus coming and speaking into our very circumstances in our situation in our life. And so will you try this with me? As we read this, will you just kind of, it's almost an imaginative prayer, imaginative scripture reading process. And I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read this story, and I want you to put yourself in the situation. And imagine that these things beating against the boat are the real tangible things in your life. And then we're going to wait for a few minutes and say, Jesus, what would you say into this situation? What does it look like for you to bring peace into my heart, into my scenario? Okay? So I invite you to close your eyes as I read from Mark chapter 4. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was, meaning exhausted. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped with water. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? So imagine yourself there. You're on the boat with the disciples. You're one of the disciples. And there's chaos all around you. You're feeling overwhelmed. And Jesus steps into the situation. He's always been in the situation. But he engages the situation. And he speaks something into the situation. What does he say? So I invite you to take a moment and just listen and ask him, Jesus, what do you say to this?
Jesus got up, and he gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Peace, be still. And the wind settled down, and there was a great calm. And the other day, as I was experiencing this for myself, the the thing that struck me about this scenario in this passage in Mark is that the wind and the waves and all those things that were causing me anxiety and stress, the things that were feeling chaotic, upon hearing Jesus' word of peace be still, it wasn't that they were taken away. It wasn't that they were diminished or obliterated or removed. It was that they fell into proper place, into their proper relationship to Jesus and to myself. It was that they quit overstepping their bounds, and they were brought back to divine order. And all of a sudden, everything was right, and that was peaceful. And I think that's what's really been on my heart for myself and my family this Christmas, is that it's not like we want to just throw away the beautiful things of the American Cultural Christmas Celebration, we want to keep them in their proper perspective in light of the one who is the Prince of Peace so that they maintain and remain peaceful, joyful, hopeful things. Is there anybody quickly that is willing to share if Jesus actually said something? The worship will be our response and ministry and prayer, all kind of melded into one, but I think it's good for us to end the message on this note in Colossians 1, to keep this all in proper perspective. Spoken of Jesus, this is an ancient um, poem, and Paul's writing, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And my prayer for us is that that would stay true for us even in the Christmas season. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, including our lives, our families, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And I wanted us to read that for many reasons, but for me personally, the thing that I'm having to hold on to, regardless of what's going on, the thing that brings me that sense of assurance that all will be well, is remembering that no matter what, I always have and always will belong to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And no matter how I react to my grandma's racist comment, (laughs) or no matter whether I give great gifts or no gifts, that I have a special place in the heart of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And I want that to be the anchor point for me in this next season of life, and that's my prayer for you as well. So I'm going to invite Beth.
to come up. And here's what I'd invite you to do. Uh, Larry, would you get the lights for us again, please? As we switch over to the lyrics, um, I encourage you, just feel free to engage and experience the sense of peace brought on through worship. But also, this is an opportunity for us to minister to one another if you feel so prompted or nudged. If you feel like there's something, someone God's putting on your heart or something you want to share with someone, feel free to move around and, and make your way and ask them, can I pray for you? Can I share something encouraging with you? Or feel free to just sit and bottle up as much peace as you can through the experience. So what I'd like to do is invite you to, to get comfortable around the room. Don't feel like you need to stay locked into these seats. But if there's somewhere else that you know you'd like to go now, then please do that. Feel free to stand, feel free to sit, go to the back, come up front, come kneel, whatever you'd like. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to experience, to hold on to, to sit in the midst of the peace that you bring in this time. That would be the marker, the key word, the experience, the expression of our holiday season and ultimately our life. So we come to worship you, King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and to let that peace invade our hearts, lives, families, and holiday season.
Shout your name. 